Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to another really interesting edition of FNO InsureTech. I am here with the smart one. Hi, everybody. That's right, Lee Boyd, the smart one. In fact, I know from the feedback that we get when we do podcasts and I'm not on it and it's just Lee, our ratings go way up. Should I take that personally? No, I don't think so. And, and plus, I don't. I don't think that's true. But if it were, no, you wouldn't think. Which part do you think is not true? Because there were many, <laughs> many non-truths in that statement I made. They're just way up there, way up there. Uh, you think it was all of them? No, I don't want to play that game. So we have on a guest today who looks just like my cousin Brian Sikansky. <laughs> okay. And I hope Brian's. I hope Brian hears this episode. Because, Brian, your doppelgagger is on the podcast today. Well, I'm sure Brian's very excited about that. Yeah, except he has a goatee, and I don't think Brian does. But Brian today, does. Today, we have the really interesting privilege of having Brian Fritton, who's the CEO and founder of Havoc Shield, with us. Have you heard of Havoc Shield before? Well, not before today. Not before today, but you know what? Havoc Shield is a really cool company. It's a startup company that uh, is really going to do some amazing things. It's out to serve the small, smaller to mid-sized companies, and it works around cyber insurance and their needs and and cyber risk and and attacks and things like that. And we're going to get to talk to Brian all about cyber and what his company is doing and how he's really changing the the workplace for these companies. Right, because as cyber insurance gets a little more nuanced to even get a policy because of the exposures and the liabilities involved, Brian's company is part of a group that helps you to be able to get to get the insurance. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, because there's so much you have to do, right? There's so much that and, many of us don't even know what we need to do. Right. Depending on the space you're in, there might be requirements and certifications and even licensing that's required in order for, for you to be bound on a policy. And yeah. uh, it's, it's way tricky. It ain't like getting auto insurance, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a little bit different. A little bit different. A little bit different. So you need a company like Havoc Shield uh, to get you through the process. And you're going to hear what we're talking about in about... In a matter of seconds. Isn't that true, Lee? Yeah, I'd say about 10 seconds. And by the way, well, next week, where will you and I, next week, you and I, yep. San Antonio. PLRB. PLRB. For us in the property claims business, our big conference. Super Bowl. 2020, not held. No. 2021, not held. 2022, yeah, but 2020, you were there. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to get into that, but that's true. Yeah, I were there. all the way to Washington, D.C. to attend the conference that was canceled an hour after I got checked into my hotel. 
Yeah, that's a shame. I, 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 I had not left yet. Yeah, All because of a sudden, of I get a message from Rob that's like, don't come to D.C. COVID. Yeah. Before it was called COVID. Then it was just yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was disappointing. And then I got to knowing that things are getting canceled and the world's closing down. I then got to get on two airplanes yeah. and travel for about seven hours in airplanes, which was pretty gross. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with our podcast today. Well, maybe it does. We'll figure maybe. that out. We'll figure that out. But uh, instead of listening to us, Chipper Jammer, be a couple of nimwits. Why don't we get to our episode with Brian Fritton, CEO of Havoc Shield? Hey, everybody. We're here with our very special guest coming to us from, I don't even know where you are, Brian. Where are you? Chicago. Oh, Chicago. The Windy City. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite towns. We have with us today founder, CEO of Havoc Shield. Brian Fritton coming to us, as he just said, from Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Is it cold in Chicago or is it spring in Chicago? Well, those things are one and the same in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the roller coaster. It'll be 50, 60 or something. And we'll all be walking around in T-shirts and shorts and then it'll snow, which it did yesterday. So we got, I think, another month of that left. Uh, until it gets uh, demonstrably warmer. That's cool. We have to share one quick story about you to show everybody how likable you are. You're not just a tech nerd like many of our guests are. Let's be honest. Okay. You're cl- you're very clever. So Brian was telling us before that he has been involved in a couple of startups and has a very unique way that he goes about naming. So tell us where the name Havoc Shield came from and the story behind that. Yeah, so I'm a multi-time founder and I've had a couple of opportunities in my past to be the one choosing the name and uh, designing the logo. You know, every time that happens, I've got the idea or, you know, we'll say we're going to we're gonna do it. And my now tradition is to sit down late at night with a rocker of whiskey and just open Photoshop and go to town on that. And and the last three startups that I've been uh, a founding part of, the, the, the logos and the names have all come out of a whiskey-induced Photoshop session. <laughs> Alcohol-induced naming. Nothing bad can come out of that. Nothing bad. <laughs> Nothing bad. Although there may be some names that come out of it that the next day are rejected. I yep. would think. Uh-huh. So how does that work? Is it just like at the end of the night, you're like, I got it. I'm sticking with this. Or is it like I came up with, with seven things. Let's pick the best. Usually there's only one and then it either gets uh, approved or denied by whoever I'm partnering with at the time. My last one was my brother. Uh, I was the CTO and he was the CEO of the last one. The, the company's name was Patch of Land. It was a real estate crowdfunding uh, investment company. And so, you know, everybody wants their own little patch of land. So right. very, very clever name. And that was my brother's uh-huh. idea it was a name originally, but no logo. So I was on logo duty. And uh, uh, it's gone through a couple of revisions in the, in the years since, but it's always stayed this sort of like little uh, green and black globe that, you know, if you look at it with, uh, with some 
a different perspective. Sometimes it can look like the Death Star. So, uh-huh. you know, gotta, gotta have a little fun with it. I'm a Star Wars nerd too. I got a lightsaber tattoo, so I, I don't mind it. There, uh, yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's kind of fun. I, I want you to know of all the tech people we've ever had on the podcast uh, up to this point, which are uh, almost a few hundred um, or probably more than that, rightly. Um, yeah. We've never had anyone admit no. that they have a lightsaber tattoo. This, this oh, is I a first. Bet. Oh, there. oh it's, it's all right there, right on the forearm. For, for the those full, of you, the full it's leaf. not a small one, folks. No. Why blue? That's so commitment. That's commitment. I got this tattoo for free in Los Angeles, by the way. For free? Uh, at a tattoo convention? Nope. Walking oh. down the street. I'll tell you that story. <laughs> I wanted it. I wanted it for a while. So it okay. was a plan. It's the Sith hilt and the okay. guardian emitter. So it's a little bit of good versus evil. Uh, yeah. So that's why, why the colors and everything. But uh, no, I wanted it for a while. And my now wife and I were walking down Melrose Boulevard in Los Angeles when we lived there before we moved back to Chicago. And some guys out there going free tattoos, free tattoos. Like, oh, this is a bad idea. You know? uh, yes. <laughs> turn, turn away. But I, you know, kind of turned around as we're walking away and looked up the name of the shop and it's got five star reviews and, you know, it's, it's sitting here in this expensive part of town. So I turn around and what's, what's going on? What, why, what's happening here? This is not like some back alley tattoo shop. Uh, Right. And uh, he's like, I just moved here. I'm trying to get clients and, you know, let people know I did a good job for you. That's all I'm going to ask. So I made sure to take out a really good cash tip and give it to him beforehand. Smart, uh, smart, then smart. Give me, me a nice tattoo. You happy with it? I mean, on, on here it's a little blurry. I can't tell, but I mean, is it good? You're satisfied? Yeah. It's great. Whenever uh, I get in the right group, I get to wave my arm around and make the the sound. <laughs> the sound. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, uh, now what you got to do is meet somebody who has one on their arm, and then y'all can have y'all can have fights. That, that could also happen, like in the rocker with whiskey. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's let's hear your let's hear your uh, lightsaber sound. Mine's more of a. Oh, okay. nice. I like that. Nice. I like that. That was very. <laughs> that good. is dedication. That is uh, that's dedication to Star Wars, right there. Well, we're done here for today. Nice having you with us. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you. Um, <laughs> so let's. Shift gears. Great story. Thanks for telling us. But I want to talk about Havoc Shield, which is the real reason we're here. So let's start by having you tell us what is Havoc Shield and what the heck is it and, and what do you guys do? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as I said, I've had a couple of startups under my belt in the past at that real estate one. You know, we're passing a few million dollars to the wire every day and we were getting poked by attackers because of it. And you know, uh, I've always been interested in security, but never had a, a specific training or background in it. Uh, it was just a technical co-founder who always gets put in charge of that, right? So put a few things in place that, you know, we thought needed to be there. But at the end of the day, we didn't really know if they were going to protect us from the types of things we need to be protected against, or if we got attacked, we were going to know what to do about it. So it left us kind of feeling uneasy, but the rubber really hit the road when, you know, I exited that company. I went, we moved back to Chicago. And I became the VP of engineering for a company that makes data science software for Fortune 500 companies uh, and political institutions. And I quickly inherited IT and got put in charge of cybersecurity in front of the 2018 midterm elections. And at that time, we hosted we hosted about nine out of every 10 uh, progressive democratic uh, campaign strategy hubs like the Data Everyone Melance. Um, 
uh, in our in our software. So we had to get really, really serious, really fast about our security program. But we were, I think, about a hundred and twenty person startup at the time. No security, uh, you know, significant security staff to speak of. A hell of a reason to get it right. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I was also the executive in the room trying to convince Fortune 500 companies that we had done enough when it comes to their security so that we could win deals. So sure. Um, and that wasn't always easy. So it became actually a revenue problem as well, not just a financial risk or reputation problem. Um, so, you know, we had to go through me and the small IT team go through a lot of hurdles to try to kind of figure out how to put together a professional cybersecurity program that would protect us would allow us to earn revenue from these customers, you know, would help us recover in the event we did get attacked. And it was super, super tough. And most of this stuff out there in the security industry is just built for larger companies because right. that's where the money is, frankly. Um, so exiting that, you know, I talked to a number of uh, other what we call security stewards, people that get put in this hot seat, right? Like they don't have a security background, but they have to do it anyway. Not part of their job. You're stuck. Yep. You're mm-hmm. stuck there. And, uh, what I quickly realized is it's a, it's an immense opportunity in an underserved market. You know, it's kind of filled with contractors who are booked for months and months in advance, or, you know, uh, you might you know, be looking at like a, a hire who's going to start costing 250 grand plus a year. Great jobs, by the way, at the security industry. Sure. Um, and most of the types of companies, uh, that I was, uh, talking to and, and friends with the founders of, you know, they, they can't afford either of those, the, the time or the cost financially. So left that job and uh, and talked to customers for about six whole months about what they needed and what was going to work. And, and out of that came Havoc Shield. The, the idea is we do for cybersecurity kind of what TurboTax did for tax prep, right? It used to be this uh, complicated, expensive accountant involved process just to figure out your fundamental taxes and get those filed. And if you don't do it right, there's there's ramifications to that. And so we took all of the this ocean of technical, legal, compliance uh, complexity that is the cybersecurity world, and we bake it into a step-by-step plan that uh, we like to say even the intern can, can manage. And out the other end comes a professional compliance-aligned plan that helps you win customers, uh, get insured, protect your reputation and your finances. Now you said uh, outcomes a plan. So is that what you guys do? Is you help them devise a p- plan, or you actually have the product that then can be implemented in conjunction with the plan? Yeah, both. So I'm, I'm glad you raised that. So you know, one problem that we heard a lot and, and still help with today is you know there's there's all these security products that's great, but it's this like fragmented, huge again, ocean of just stuff that you don't know what you're supposed to buy for a second or third or when you should worry about that next thing. So the first thing is the plan, right? What's your data? Where does it live? What should we protect? How should we prioritize the things you do in a professional security program? So we start with the plan, but we don't just want to leave you with a project plan, which we saw that a lot of other um, companies trying to kind of solve the similar problems did. Right. So yeah, we have the tools baked in and integrated to the platform that let you actually do the homework behind those requirements. So you're not only a consultancy, you're also a product. It's all self-serve. Uh, so you can come in and you can start a trial. Uh, you can tell us about your data and your infrastructure and everything. We'll build that curated plan and then you can get going right away. Uh, obviously, we have invested significantly in our client success team. So if you get stuck somewhere... We're going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but you can do this over a weekend yourself too. Um, and it rolls out all those uh, blue chip vendor products for you, keeps everything integrated and synced up and helps you configure the stuff you already use securely. And who's your ideal customer for this, for, for your company? Yeah. So small companies, um, our sweet spot is, uh, between say 20 and 200 employees is a rough cut. And it's going to be folks who are in those sensitive industries, you know, education, finance, healthcare, um, and it's companies, you know, uh, without security teams, right? So um, we can help you kind of stand up the foundational professional program, you know, with your existing staff. So is it possible that a startup company or a, a newly founded company could use your software here and that could be their their IT department for this problem for their, their cyber secure, problem, their security function, right? Yep. It, and so somebody would be a somebody would be an app application user, right? Somebody would help oversee this, but you have the the training, you have uh, policy managers, you have all that stuff built into this, you know, to these different levels, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's in everything's under one roof, and literally we have customers who it's the intern who's doing this, right? Like a lot of our customer companies have roadmaps and operations that they they've got day jobs they got to get to, right? Security programs a necessity, oftentimes to win a customer. Or you're in a state that has uh, you know cybersecurity laws like New York, um, and you're in the financial industry or whatever trigger that might be. You got to worry about it, but you also have customers you got to get to and product you got to build, and so. Sometimes this this sort of thing gets offloaded to, you know, um, a, a lower level employee, and so we wanted to make it uh, sincerely professional in terms of its uh, impact, but easy enough, like TurboTax did, for yeah. someone even like sitting at the front desk in an office could do. So when you say a small business, this could be like a CPA office, right? Yeah, like one person or two or whatever who have who carry a lot of sensitive data. Yep. And that's actually kind of how we um, got into the insurance industry as well as, you know, our core product certainly uh, addressed some of the, the customers coming in needing to get past the requirements of, uh, you know, cyber liability insurance and, and similar to, you know, the requirements of a new customer. But what we realized really quickly was we were a good fit for, uh, these customers who are, are not super technical. Um, yeah. you know, before then we were kind of serving more technology enabled startups. Um, but we, we moved pretty purposely into an area where, yeah, we can help that, that five person CPA firm comply with the types of regulations they now have, uh, on their back as well as get insured. So, you know, these applications for cyber liability insurance have gone from, you know, two questions and a, uh, and a wink to, you know, 20 over four pages and approve everything or you're not going to get coverage. And so we were pretty well matched with being able to do the homework behind those and make sense of them. It, it sounded like you originally started this to help people get revenue, to get in the doors of these companies to sell their product. But now there's also an aspect of getting insurance just so you can even be in business. Uh, it, am I hearing that right? Yeah, there's a number of triggers that we heard, you know, uh, from customers and some of them, uh, come along with, with more than one of these triggers, but it's, you know, in many cases, it's, uh, a customer or partner wants me to have my uh, cybersecurity program tied up and matured before they're going to award me a deal or, or work with me. Um, so it's, you know, it's a revenue problem or a strategic 
innovation problem. Um, in these sensitive industries where there's you know millions of these small businesses, um, they have to, right? So whether it's at the state level, federal level, industry licensure, um, there's there's tons of these coming out now more than ever. So so they've got to do it there as well. You know, their boards, their lawyers, their associations are telling them they've got to. Or, you know, they've had a scare recently. You know, someone clicked on the wrong link and opened the wrong thing and, you know, they kind of are wiping the sweat off their brow and say, oh, we better get serious about this now. You know, and right. it's, it's the threat of that reputational impact and the financial impact of an attack. And in, 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 in more ways than one, a lot of these triggers synthesize down into, you know, one of the best things you can do is get coverage for that, right? But in order to get coverage, you got to actually have a reasonable cybersecurity program. So that's kind of why we centered on that. So I'm, I'm looking through here on your website, you have different pricing models for different things. I'm, I'm just reading through this list. Why don't you tell our audience some of the services you offer, some of the applications you offer uh, within these different pricing models? Sure. Yeah. So we took a very specific approach when it comes to the types of vendor tools that you need as part of a cybersecurity program. We didn't want to go and like reinvent the wheel and we're never going to build a better password manager, right? Like there's tons of good ones out there. We're never going to build a better interactive award-winning cybersecurity training and phishing simulation service, right? There's, there's great ones out there. So instead what we did is we went as professionals with an advisory board filled with people who have been in the security compliance and risk space for years and years and years, selected the best in breed in each of those categories. Right. So, um, and then we partnered with them and by partnering, I mean, we went and just like did some significant work economically where we get very, very good prices. Um, and, uh, then we deeply integrated them. So in one platform, in the Havoc Shield platform, when you need to roll out team training, instead of going over here and doing that, uh, and negotiating that all yourself and getting a, a retail price, cause you're a small company, um, you click the button in our platform. It looks the same as the other button that you would have clicked to roll something else out. We configure it for you using best practice, you know, compliance align configuration. We pay for it for you. We sync all your users uh, and uh, we keep it up for you. So that's what we do on the vendor side. We've built some first party tools to make it easy to manage those in one place. So you know, uh, out the other end of a vulnerability scanner comes vulnerabilities, right? That you got to deal with. Uh, so we built some homes for the, that type of data to make it easier to manage. Uh, and then the last part is uh, configuration. So like you use Office 365 or maybe you use Google Workspace, whatever you use as your sort of email productivity suite. All of these ship default insecure with a lot of the security features turned off. Like for example, multi-factor authentication, right? One of the first things that one, A, you get asked on an insurance policy Two, the first thing you should be doing from a security standpoint uh, to protect yourself against a whole you know, category of attacks. Um, and so these are configurations that need to be done inside software applications and services that you already use. It's not about rolling out another tool or vendor, um, but there are like advanced topics sitting inside, you know, uh, administration areas that are eight clicks deep and use terminology that most of us are not familiar with. And so you don't know if you did it right. And then there's all these follow-up activities that need to be done, like ensuring that all of your team members configure MFA, right? Not just that it's turned on. 
And so we built technology called our guidance assistant, which just overlays point and click guidance on top of those configuration areas to show you how to um, correctly configure those tracks that you did so correctly and then can validate that evidence out the other end and then spins up all those uh, follow on activities like having your employees do it. So you're an aggregator, if you will. You aggregated best in class platforms and services into one particular go to market idea. Yep. Under one roof. Yeah. And so, you know, where, where we need to build something because in the industry it's too complex because it's often built for larger companies or too expensive than than we will. Uh Um, But where we can uh, do the work uh, on behalf of our clients to, um, you know, synthesize uh, these enterprise grade tools uh, into a space where they can be useful to small companies and that's what we'll do too. You know, we're, we're really, we keep a careful eye of what's the right build versus buy decision for our, our customers. So what happens if one of your customers has a data breach or has something that, that happens, do they go find somebody else to help them? Or is that also within your realm? Yeah. So we don't within our walls, get into the breach response side of things, but we do orchestrate uh, what to do next from a uh, sort of like, oh, we realize that we might have something going on here point of view. And so when you sign up uh, and you start paying, you get a big red 800 phone number. That is the emergency, oh crap, phone number. <laughs> yeah. And you can call us. We will use the sort of telemetry that we have into your company to sort of validate that something might be going on or not. And at that point, then we have a, a marketplace of partners who know how to use Havoc Shield and everything to more quickly accelerate their response, their forensics, and their recovery. Uh, and so while we don't get into all that, we, we leave that to the professional consultants. You facilitate. Correct. Let's talk about insurance a little more because I'm, I need a little more help on A, how you got into insurance and what exactly you do. Because basically you work with agents, correct? So tell us what you do in, uh, in the insurance world. Yeah, so we first came into the insurance world back late last year uh, when we were working with a wholesaler, actually a cyber liability specialty wholesaler who wanted help um, solving a pipeline problem. And that problem was that their brokers, their independent brokerages that were working with them as the wholesaler were kind of complaining that... uh, you know, these requirements coming down from the carrier level were a really hard to understand and b really hard to get the homework done behind. And uh, because of that, it was just gunking up the pipeline. Right. So it was a big uh, revenue problem again. And to that extent, also, like these brokers are spending a significant amount of time trying to coach these smaller applicants through what they mean and how to know where they stood. And then again, how to solve for a, a satisfactory answer. And so we built a couple of products uh, with them. One is called our cyber fitness assessment. And it is like that pre-bind conversation of what do these requirements even mean? um, And where do I stand on them? Right. So you get a cyber liability application and it says, do you use SPF, DKIM, and DMARC? (laughs) Most people don't know what those things are, right? I have no idea. I use SPF for my skin in the sun. (laughs) SPF 50. Both protective tools. So we, you know, similar to what we've done with our core product, cleaned up a lot of that jargon and that language, built a a wizard where they can say, I don't know, and we'll tell them what it is. 
and we'll provide them tools to figure out where they stand on the sort of scorecard of requirement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first piece is what does this mean and where do I stand? And then the second piece is, okay, now I got to do the homework and, uh, behind those gaps. And so that flows obviously very nicely into our core product. So, and the, it's the broker that uses that. So the broker can introduce their insureds, their, their, oh, their applicant. applicants. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then that end customer can use it. Certainly the broker can pull up our tools and have the conversation live on the phone using the same wizard. Um, but what we wanted to do was solve the problem of these brokers who want to sell more policies. Of course, they want to have better relationships with their clients too. They got to go sell policies. They don't have hours to coach these small uh, um, you know, uh, insurance applicants through these requirements. So we wanted to remove that requirement of having to coach these applicants through them. So in the monetization part of this, how does that work? Tell me about that. Yeah. So a brokerage to get these tools. So we obviously have some work to do to map their carriers requirements into uh, the cyber fitness assessment, uh, the content there, experience there, and then the, the custom program to meet those requirements and the, the evidence package that we put together for them at the end of it and all that good stuff to submit and streamline underwriting. There's a good amount of work we do there. Um, and it comes co-branded and it comes along with a bunch of training and thought leadership collateral and all that stuff to make you look really smart when, when you talk about cybersecurity. So um, we charge a flat fee, license fee per year. Uh, it's 10,000 know, bucks. We're super transparent about our pricing, as you can tell from our website. Um, and uh, uh, basically, that is a, a license fee to accelerate your pipeline by a significant margin and reduce that coaching. We've got a calculator that, you know, as we kind of understand how much premium you write and commission you charge, you know, how much money we're saving you. We're, we're at least forexing people's investment here on the, on the smaller end. And I would think that you guys are in a great spot because, as we all know, cyber, you know, five years ago was, like you said, it was two questions and a, and a wink. And now it's, I don't know if it's the number one growing segment in insurance, but it probably is. If it's not one, it's two. And it's it's huge, right? And and nobody, like you're saying, almost everybody has to have it in some way, shape, or form, right? So you're you you guys are really riding a wave here. Is that what, yeah. I mean? Is that what you're you're finding? Yeah. So what we found is cyber. I think it's nine billion in premium in 21, and it's growing at a CAGR rate of something like 27 percent adding billions in in market here every year and we want to help independent brokerages which the vast majority of you know small businesses want to do business with independent brokerages um, we want to help them um, accelerate their adoption of this and uh, you know do a better job at uh, addressing their clients needs uh, while still uh, not turning them into like forcing them to be cybersecurity experts. And, uh, and that's kind of what it's taking a lot of these brokerages to do right now, because the, these underwriters have seen their loss ratios go insane sure, in the last right. couple of years. Right. And, uh, and so a tool like ours kind of helps solve the problems and uh, uh, make sure that you can witness some significant margin off these, these small policies. So, I mean, you must have caught the attention of carriers as well who are thinking, how can I use this? How can this be part of my, you know, production? scheme that that i'm giving to brokers is that correct 
Yeah, so they definitely have noticed us. You know, we haven't been in the insurance industry as a. Um, yeah, you've been department. in the insurance space like 15 minutes, but. Yeah, not super long. So we're transparent about that and that we're learning uh, right now for sure. But what, you know, we have gotten a couple of carriers who've noticed what we're doing with brokers because at the end of the day, they're seeing these consistent evidence backed underwriting packages um, and, and they're liking them. So they are asking more. But what we're seeing. Uh, from a strategic point of view that the carriers are doing is they're going to their, you know, like their MGAs and their wholesalers and some of their VIP brokers. And they're saying, we want you to figure out how to do a better job at this. Um, we are interested in developing products where, you know, uh, Havoc Shield may be a subjectivity or a preferred rating system if you get through the program. And so they're kind of talking to that like MGA and wholesaler tier. Um, and running experiments, right? And we see a lot of insure techs out there who are brokers themselves and are are doing these types of things um, with outside in scanning, but it's not demonstrably reducing loss ratios is what we're seeing. And so these carriers are still very interested in getting verifiably uh, um, higher, uh, uh, better coverage on these controls from the inside. And so, yeah, they're taking notice, but they're still just kind of talking to their wholesalers and MGAs and saying, do more of that. And I think we'll start to see standardization maybe up at the top in a, in a year or two. I, I would think that that's coming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and particularly, like you said, with the kind of losses that are starting to mount with cyber and the prospects of that only getting worse. Right. Or higher, depending on how you want to phrase it. Um, I would think that there's tons of underwriters out there who are like, we have to do something now. Yep. yep. And, and they're all really interested in uh, making sure that what the answer is on the application is what is actually in place, right? Is, uh, is there testing that, that goes on? Are the carriers actually going in and testing systems or are they just... Or, or validating or Validating auditing? or are they just, you know, taking the underwriting at its word and then they'll check if there is a loss? They're requiring proof more and more is what we're seeing. So... They themselves are not going and do the testing a, a lot. I, I think a number of them are investing in scanning tools, but again, it's only that sort of outside in. Like it can't tell if you're training your staff and if everyone has MFIA turned on, right? Right. Um, but so it only goes so far. So what more and more of them are doing are, is requiring proof of those controls being met. So uploading screenshot evidence and stuff like that. And it's a really bumpy process. Um, and it's a bad customer experience. And so they're all looking for ways to you know, turn this into something that looks like a benefit. Right. And so right. Um, we look like a benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see there being a lot of value, right. You, you have the uh, shield and, and you're saying, Hey, we, we provided all this, we verified they have it, you know, they have the, the shield of approval. That's pretty cool. I think yeah, it's, sure. I think it'll be there. Uh, Aldrin who edits the podcast, he asked a question here with the war in Ukraine, there's been talks in the news of the possibility of cyber attacks. Has the war shed any light on cyber risk and importance of cyber security? Yeah. I mean, like the, the name of the game here with Russia, you know, is inflicting as much chaos on the supply chain and the, the economics of our nation as possible. And so while you, you, you certainly will have very sophisticated state-sponsored attacks, those are going to be aimed at you know, things like critical infrastructure and very specific, carefully chosen targets. Um, 
small businesses are still in a bad place right now because, and this has been true for a while, but it's just accelerating now with, with the incentives that um, other countries have uh, to attack us is um, the, the, the tools and capabilities um, required to breach most small businesses are uh, user friendly and free. <laughs> you know, uh, they are open source things that are uh, cheap to run and uh, what we would call a spray and pray attack. And so, uh, since like the, the idea here is to introduce as much chaos as possible and slow down our economy. If you can do that against the millions of small businesses, which are the nation's largest aggregate employer of Americans, um, then that's something they're going to want to do. And they can do it using teenagers and scripts running on a laptop. And uh, you can look for vulnerabilities in an old WordPress installation that someone's got running or whatever that might be. And unfortunately for small businesses, um, it is more likely that you're going to get breached because you know none of us uh, you know really have the time to um, to keep up on the the system patching and hardening that these larger companies do, and so we're squishy targets. That's tragic. I, I mean, one of the things I'm I'm sitting here, you know, wondering as we're sitting here is how am I? I mean, your friends must be saying, "Hey, Brian, I got to ask you, what do I do?" Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, do you, what, what advice do you have? And this is, we'll just take a little side here to the rest of the, of today's um, episode and interview. What do we do Yeah, as so, individuals? Uh, I'm going to send you an invoice after this. Uh, <laughs> the oh. biggest things I'd say are MFA, multi-factor authentication on everything you can have it on, right? So businesses are getting better at supporting this functionality your bank accounts, your email accounts, anything that supports multi-factor authentication, turn it on because it's so easy for attackers to trick you into getting your credentials. And if you have MFA, it's just so much harder for them to do anything with that account. It's not foolproof, but it's a huge, huge wall. And so turn on everything. If you have something critical like a bank account where your bank doesn't support that functionality, I'm serious about this, move banks because that account can get cleaned out faster than you think. Um, mm -hmm. The second thing is keep your software updated. So uh, patching is the best way to remove the threat vector of old software that has known security vulnerabilities, right? So you, know, you have security researchers out there who regularly go and poke around you know, Windows and Photoshop and QuickBooks and whatever other applications. And they regularly find uh, security vulnerabilities that allow for all sorts of mayhem to happen. And if you're not regularly uh, installing the patches that fix those security issues, um, then, uh, then you're a sitting duck. And so um, keep, keep your computers updated, keep your software updated. Uh, and then thirdly, there's a huge human element to this is you have the best technology out there, but if, you know, Justin, in accounting clicks on the wrong link, uh, you, <laughs> you can only defend so much. And so invest, and it is really affordable. There's a great company out there that we love called Curricula, who supplies free, really excellent uh, cybersecurity training for, for small companies and individuals. And it'll teach you how to spot malicious messages. It'll teach you how to respond. It'll teach you how to set up strong passwords. 
Um, and so invest in your human's knowledge about how to avoid these types of things. Cool. We, we really appreciate that. And um, that, uh, that address is Lee Boyd at <laughs> FNOinsuretech.com. Go ahead. And uh, in fact, you might want to pat it and include a little tip for yourself there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you. You're an interesting cat. I mean, you look like, for those of you who are only listening to this, Brian looks like he's like 19 <laughs> with a goatee. So obviously you're, you're a young man. You've, you've uh, done some cool things. Give us a little bit about your background, um, if you would. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, about to be 35. I always say to people who still card me at CVS, that's going to be really great when I'm in my 50s. So I'm not crazy, right? I mean, you get that. I think the wedding ring has helped with the not getting carded thing. That, that's helpful, uh, but Probably. it still happens. Good genes. Uh, yeah, so I was always really um, I, I, privileged as a kid to have a computer pretty young. Um, you know, my, my parents brought in, uh, I can't remember exact what, what model it was, but an old Apple and, uh, and just latched onto it really quick, you know, and um, I was born as, you know, uh, dial-up modems were becoming mainstream and homes and uh my brother who i've started a couple of businesses with you know uh, was a quick adoptee into the internet age and i kind of followed him into it um and uh was always super interested in um in the security side of it and i don't really know why but the results of it were you know i think a, an intense desire to protect people um I was a police officer for a while in a past life. Wow. And uh, I've brought that like desire to protect people uh, into, you know, my work in technology. Uh, but even before all of that, I was the kid who was like drawing code pads on cardboard and, and sticking them on the thresholds of doors inside my parents' house. And they weren't allowed to go into the other room until they typed the right code in. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was, I was that guy. So I had a really specific interest in it, but never a specific training. But, you know, going through these startups and uh, uh, different jobs in software and technology, just always got handed that role. And so had to had to get trained up in it through being that in that hot seat. I live in Chicago, two dogs, uh, <laughs> fantastic wife, got a cat. You were in Techstars for a while. Yeah. Was that with Havoc Shield? Yep, that was Havoc Shield, yeah. Uh, how was that? You, how was your um, incubator accelerator experience? It was great. I mean, the managing director, uh, Neil Salas Griffin there, uh, has been an incredible mentor and resource for me. Uh, and, you know, I think is now a lifelong friend. You know, I think tech stars can really be made by the cohort you're with and by, you know, the, the mentors at any specific program and they run city to city have there in Chicago and Neil have done a really excellent job with a choosing the companies who get into the accelerator it's pretty tough to get in. Uh, and then two is surrounding them with really excellent mentors. And, you know, I had, I had been through the, the startup game a couple of times already. So there was some of like the, the one-on-one knowledge that, you know, maybe I didn't really need it, but they treat you like adults. They don't make you to go to this stuff. They say, continue running your business and here's the stuff you, you need if you need it. Mm -hmm. um, That's nice. And uh, came out of that um, this was at the beginning of 2020 and we got sent home in the middle of the accelerator uh, because of COVID. So we completed it all remote. 
on the back of a remote demo day, um, you know, raised that uh, about a one and a half million dollar round, and that's still serving us today. So I'd say it worked. That's, that's wonderful. That's pretty remarkable, and that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about in the world of venture funded companies. Uh, that's a very small raise, and only once. That must speak to the kind of uptake you guys are having. Uh, either either that, or you're you're still staying with mom and dad. I mean, one yeah. one. <laughs> it would certainly be cheaper. But no, maybe they, uh, maybe they never figured out how to get into that one room, and you're still using it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was in Los Angeles for a time, and Los Angeles is great when it comes to energy of people starting companies there, but. You know, I moved back to Chicago for a specific reason, and that is the types of companies that get started here are really, really resilient. And the founders have uh, immense respect, I think, for the responsibility that you have over investors' money and your own time and your customers' trust. And we're a pretty humble bunch here in the Midwest, and I, I like that too. Sometimes we have trouble talking about ourselves enough to go to actually get attention. Sure. So that's the side of it, but... Um, yeah, we invest really carefully and uh, we reinvest um, the money that our customers pay us. And uh, in 2021, we grew about six times the when, from when we started. Wow, that's, that's fabulous. Wonderful. And how's 2022 doing? Uh, so far, uh, on track to do hopefully about the same. Um, you know, it's, a, it's another year where more stuff's hitting the fan. Uh, and... You know, we wanna we wanna be there to help, and uh, you know, the insurance channel for us is a space where we think that there's a win-win-win. The brokers can win, our customers can certainly win, and uh, you know, we get to experience some of that growth. On that idea, I want to talk about go to market for a minute, and um, just how you guys penetrate. How have you gotten the word out? How have people found you thus far? Yeah, we're still figuring out what some of the rearticulation of our marketing needs to look like mm -hmm. um, uh, in the space. Mm -hmm. We have so far been blessed to have a good reputation uh, among our networks. And we have had our customers introduce us to their insurers uh, and say, I want to use Havoc Shield to get through my renewal next year. And uh um, so we have gotten sort of this, I guess, bottoms up attention. Um, and inevitably, you know, the insurance space is a pretty competitive one, um, especially regionally. And we're working with smaller independent brokers too, right? Uh, and so uh, when, when someone in the Chicago space starts using us, uh, we're getting reached out to by two or three more that say, I, I want to do that too. And then I think it we're kind of getting eaten up the chain a little bit. So their wholesalers and their, their MGAs are seeing the, the success of some of that. Um, and they want to uh, expand the, the reach of that success out to, to their, to their other brokers. So organic, it's, it's very organic. It's very, uh, organic, word yeah. of mouthy. Yeah. And we know that we have to do our job as a good sort of participant in the industry, being out at conferences and talking more about this topic. Uh, so we're going to start doing more of that as well. Is there a conference where people will see you? Uh, nothing on the docket yet, okay. but that's kind of the inventory we're looking at. If you have any okay. recommendations, I'm all yours. Insure Tech Connect. That's where you need to go. That is right up your alley. Yeah, you. there's no question you need to be at ITC. And uh, as we bring to a close, there's a couple other things on your resume that I think are interesting. Founding member of the Forbes Technology Council. 
Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, it's a good program. Um, so the Forbes councils were born out of the YEC, the Young Entrepreneurs Council, which um, I'm a member of, and uh, was started by some very experienced entrepreneurs. And you know, it's it's all the entrepreneurs who still look like they're 19, right? Uh, and they partnered with Forbes to uh, create an opportunity for startups like us who are in the trenches solving problems and changing things to talk about those more. And, uh, and so there's opportunities for members in those councils uh, on an invite-only basis to write thought leadership pieces and, and answer questions that journalists have and all that good stuff. So it's, uh, it's a nice little channel for us to talk a little bit more. Well, we have really enjoyed having you with us today. First of all, you're a good sport and put up with some of our ridiculousness, but but more importantly, have continued to expand our appreciation and knowledge and product knowledge of what's out there on the cyber side, which I, I think if we just did cyber as our podcast topic, we could go on for a really, <laughs> for a long, long time, time, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, Thanks for being with us. And we really, a, a company like yours that is still emerging, we'd love to have you back, you know, in the near future and, and hear more about what's going on. I would love to come back. I'd love it. Great. Well, thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. So Lee, cyber. cyber. Wow. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing. Cyber's, cyber's big, right? It, it's huge and it's an evolving world it's not like uh it's not like home insurance where there's a home and it's built cyber is growing and we don't even know where it's going no no even the best of them don't know where it's going all you can do is keep up and like he said and I, this was one of the most interesting things i mean a laptop and a teenager mm -hmm. right can create tremendous havoc yeah I mean, so the, the barriers to entry to being a cyber problem are so low right that that it's not going to be ever hard to find actors to take care of, you know, to create havoc. Yeah. And I think Brian's company really comes in and serves a need that the industry has is for the smaller mid-sized companies who can't afford these giant teams, but yet they need just as much protection as these other companies. Right. And, and he's really, he's really doing a service out there for these startups, for these newly founded companies. Right. And the thing about a whole new area of insurance need like cyber is there's different products that are going to be needed inside of that that are just emerging or being created or invented. Right. Yeah. And and that's at least in part what Havoc Shield is very, very super interesting. I agree. Super interesting. And we thank him for being with us today. And most of all, as always. Thank you guys for listening to us and putting up with this circus that we call a podcast. And thank you to Alicia and to Al, our intrepid producers, for the work that they do. And thank you to my co-host. What's your name again? The smart one. <laughs> thank you to the smart one for being with us today. And this is the smart one saying what we say every single time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>